onions, Pop-Tarts, and bean and bacon soup. All right, that should do it for the baby. Oh, hi there. I was just making a list of items for my household's quarantine survival kit, and you should too. You know, I can picture it now, day after day, hold up here in the house with my kid, tucking into a nice can of Dinty Moore every evening for a month straight. Uh, I better add Maylocks and Tux pads to my list. Uh, anyways, don't forget to do your part. Uh, make sure you have plenty of uh, food, crossword puzzle books, prescription medications, and flu-fighting items such as aspirin and Pedialyte. I hear this thing comes with the runs. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Born to Be Mild Podcast. I am Ron Cabuno. And I'm Peter Crawford. What's going on, dude? Not a whole lot here. I'm trying to stay healthy, trying to stay corona-free. I hear you. All right, so that is definitely going to be probably at least half the podcast today, and we're, we obviously have to fill the other half with politics, and then if we have time, we'll maybe talk about some other stuff. Is that right? Yeah, if we can. I might we're need to bowl a cereal in between there somewhere, too. We're jammed up. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. And it's all in those two categories. Yeah, so we are essentially sitting here on a Sunday morning, and we are one day removed from the latest primary. There is, uh, I mean, we're looking at this just being one primary. But the fact is, is that we're watching a momentum change here with uh, Joe Biden versus Bernie Sanders. Now, and can I tell you, that was quite an astounding victory. But we yeah, have to... Yeah, it was a statement. <laughs> It was a statement victory, but we have to be careful and not to really overrepresent what it means until we see what happens on Super Tuesday, right? Sure. We're two days away from really understanding what's going to go on. but um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but that was but, crazy. Between uh, Biden's performance uh, a week and a half ago or so and just the way things have kind of been – now, you mentioned last week that you thought that Joe Biden had quote-unquote got his Adderall. And, <laughs> yeah, he uh, was on point. He is. This dude, ever since you've said that, more and more, he's just climbing and climbing, and it's trouble for Bernie and the Bernie right. bros. Yeah, and can we say that maybe in these troubled times that we're living in, people are regressing towards the comfortable, and that you might see some of those people who are you know, maybe putting themselves out on a limb and going a little more progressive, a little more to the left, might be coming home a little more, might be a little more scared to, to do that in, in you know troubled waters. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a fail-safe. When you start feeling threatened, you do migrate towards your comfort zone. And suddenly this uh, this kind of outlandish, off-the-wall guy with his crazy socialist ideas, um, he's a little too scary while we're all worried about uh, some kind of a pandemic going on. And so you, you're seeing uh, the left uh, kind of not worrying so much about uh, free college and and that's you know, fine because all we're doing now, I would think, is just circling the wagons and saying, listen, guys, it doesn't matter who it is. We just need the victory because we need to make sure that we're steering this ship in the right direction. You have probably volatility in the markets because you don't know how 
trustworthy Trump is in these types of, you know, situations. Like he's fine when everything's going great and he's slashing taxes and things like that. But when when faced with actual problems that can't be solved by dropping bombs, like we don't know how good he is. And I think the general public might distrust him enough to say we don't know how good he is either. Yeah. And well, I think the general public has been questioning that for a while, but this is the first time that he's really being put to the fire. Um, He's enjoyed some some easy riding like we haven't seen really since the Clinton administration. And um, now he's got a, he's got a market that's in the shitter uh, out of nowhere. I mean, the Dow is just free falling down a roller coaster. And we've talked about, we've talked about the fact that like if he would have ran on just his economic performance alone and just zipped his mouth for the first three years, he'd have been a landslide victor. Oh yeah. But, But because of his personality influx, that really takes the numbers down because he turns so many people off in so many ways. Yeah, and he uh, – now we know right now that a lot of what's affecting the market really isn't actually on Trump. Some of it is, but a lot of it really has to do with other things, which we'll get into later. But if he's going to take credit for the market when it's doing well and it really wasn't his credit, then he's got to eat it now when it's not yeah. his fault and it's doing bad. He better have some splaining to do. <laughs> Danny, you got some splaining. <laughs> but so Joe Biden, right? He has no platform to speak of, no discernible opinion on anything except I love Barack. I, literally. His platform <laughs> is I was vice president for Barack Obama. Remember him? <laughs> Did you watch his uh, victory speech? Uh, who, uh, Biden? No, I did yeah, not. Yeah, Biden's South Carolina That was Carolina last night, right? Speech. No, I yeah. Didn't. yeah. So you had Clyburn come out first and introduce him, mm-hmm. and that was essentially who handed him the victory with his endorsement, um, it, more or less. It was like, all right, here's to, here's here I am, your old stalwart friend, to dissuade your fears. Yes, go ahead and vote for Joe, and then everyone did with no problems whatsoever apparently right yeah uh not and let's not forget that this is the open primary where republicans are allowed to vote in the democratic part of it and if they wanted to sway the vote for the least likely candidate to beat trump i.e bernie in their minds they had the opportunity to do so and it didn't really seem like it bore out in the numbers Mm mm-hmm um, so that so that's interesting. You know, like the open primary thing, that's a wild thing. That's something that shouldn't be allowed. Uh, yeah, I'm not really into that either. Um, if you're going to choose a representative for your party, you should be part of that party. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, get out of here. Know, it's it's the same in Ohio. Um, you don't have to be registered as a Democrat. Correct. Uh, so, I don't agree with it at all. No, it's very bizarre. I don't agree with like having to pigeonhole people into two parties. I just think there's no room for the rise a of a whole third different party, conversation. But we can get into that yeah. some other day. That could be an entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, you, oh man, many it, that could be multi-volume. All of this aside, it doesn't sound like too many uh, Republicans in South Carolina were interested. I, I'm imagining that most of them just stayed home, even though they, they stayed really home. Yeah, come out. yeah. The spite vote wasn't really enough to bring them out. No, I mean these are people who will absolutely be out in the general. But, yeah. uh, you know, they're not they're not that concerned about the I really think there's a, a feeling of overconfidence right now in the GOP, kind of the way that we all thought Hillary was going to win. I think right now the Republicans are just kind of coasting on the, the idea that Trump is a lock. Yes, but I think that to that point, the counterpoint to 2016 is the Bernie insurgency, not the Biden insurgency. Yeah. So when you when you want to talk about underrepresenting the support and the groundswell, I think that has to do more with the Bernie camp than the Biden camp, 
which is unfortunate because in a general election, you need Biden instead of Bernie. So it's, it's a really fucked up situation. Yeah, um, I had a buddy that I was talking to about that the other day. He thinks that Biden is infinitely more electable than Bernie. Oh, and I yeah. agree. I agree. And we have the whole uh, blue but no matter passion, who. But the passion is with the Bernie people, exactly. not the Biden people. That's the exactly Biden what I was people say. remind me of the Hillary people who are they they just suppose the, the, the victory it is <laughs> it is that you're right i didn't mean remind but the attitude and the just the apathy and the milk toast candidate right oh it is to call him an establishment run of the mill you know classic democrat he is he non-invigorating is non-invigorating completely vanilla and um, and I'm not even talking about his skin color. This guy. But is, I was hearing him in the in the speech last night talk about how we have to get people to the polls so that we can take back the Senate in 2020. Well, and I, I understand they, that, and that makes a lot of sense. And if he is infinitely more electable than Sanders, will the numbers not bear out that, and that will more people overall not go to the polls in general? That's the big concern. Um, I, it's so wild. there is the. Uh, the notion of the blue no matter who going on in the left right now, it's a nice sentiment, but there really is still two. Uh, there are two uh, Democratic parties right now, just as there were in 2016. So and which side is more likely to stay home when the other one is the candidate? Honestly, it's the progressives, I think. I think the, that like the Bernie bros the are going to in the corner. Oh, they are going to just be butthurt. If he and I understand that because they're going to be mad they, at, the, at the DNC. They're going to be mad at the establishment Dems. They're going to say that it was corrupted again. They're going to be and, mad at ugh. the center of America for not, you know, they are acknowledging their plight once more. And they're, I understand they're younger. That because they're more emotional. These these are emotional voters. I think, and, it's but more they like, also feel the temperature of the moment too. They understand things like climate change a lot better. So, oh, like, they absolutely. I'm not saying they're uninformed. I, no, but I think that they can be irrational with their emotions a lot of the time. Like when there's like, Absol- you need absolutely. to understand my plight now. It's like, I get it, but get in fucking line. There's a lot of people who need to get their plight understood before you, bitch. Oh, yeah, you know their I mean? youth like, is showing. Their youth is showing, and it's it, they're going to be exposed that way, the same way they were when Hillary won. But the thing is, we really need these people to come out and vote if they're going to make an impact on the election. They need to understand what they it have means to, vote. to be a coalition, and it's not getting to them from the top down. When Bernie Sanders doesn't talk about building a big tent, they don't build a big tent. It's the same thing with Donald Trump. You lead by example. The whole thing with the Bernie movement is that it is a movement of positivity. It is a movement of love. It is a movement of well-placed intentions so when you want to talk about like unionizing the entire country or whatever and making sure you empower the workers well who the fuck knows what that means and how perilous that could be to actual uh you know bottom line and and whatnot but it's a good well-meaning intentioned uh you know thing to to undertake yeah i think that bernie's bernie's influence on the younger generation and the type of uh, politics and candidates he's going to create coming up in this millennial gen z uh, you know, turn of uh, exchange of power. Yeah. It's his influence is going to be felt, and I just his think policy, that they're unapologetic. The they're unapologetic in the way that the Trump voters are as well, but it's it's better intentioned. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes without saying, and I think that. Um, but it, it has to be said. It has to be said because they're going to want to equivocate the two. 
And and well, I it's understand not, it's, that. It's not, yeah, and, it's not the same and, at all. In that. But it's not it's not the same. But it's, it's it's also not the same in that like the Trumpers were able to drag the center of their party kicking and stre- and screaming. Yeah, that's exactly the- <laughs> what. It, that's the point right there. He he, he basically forced the more hard headed part of the Republican Party because when they divided back in uh, 08, when you had the Tea Partiers versus the uh, establishment uh, Republicans. <laughs> This that this is exactly what they needed. Somebody like Donald Trump, and somehow his lunacy, his complete unhinged, uh, just takeover of America, has somehow united the Republican Party. And but I don't it's think that the, he that's not going to happen. Hypo- Nobody's dragging anyone, kicking and screaming. He threw their hypocrisy this. in their face. He threw their own turds right back in their face and said, "Wait a second, you were telling everybody this was gold. Now you eat it." And they were like, okay, I guess I'll eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but that, that's not going to happen with the left. The that left is, is, that's, the left that's is what I mean. more it's not the same. They're yeah, not gonna, it's not the same. They're not going to allow anybody to tell them that they're smarter than them. And they're, and I, I there's just going to be – I see Biden as being more electable, but it's going to be harder for him on his own side of the aisle because those progressives are going to be throwing a tantrum. All right, so imagine if Bernie does get the vote, and imagine if Bernie does get elected. You have citizens who elect the president, but you have Congress people who pass laws. So he could ride his wave into office, but if he wants to get anything done, he's going to need people to play ball with him, right, in the halls of Congress? Yeah, uh, he's made some blanket statements that are along the lines of something Trump would say in all of his uninformed glory. Like he said, uh, you know, if I'm elected president, first day, marijuana is legal for oh, uh, yeah. all 50 states. Like, you can't do that. You <laughs> can do it. You actually can by by presidential decree. And, okay. but, but Some kind of an executive at, order. It's not, But it's not going to happen that way. So What I was getting at is that's exactly what's going to happen. He said himself that he is going to repeal all the executive orders that President Trump has ordered so far. And he's going to start a list of his own. Okay, so I was that's just going to say, how do. does it that taste on do, the though. other foot? I, I, you know, like we want to talk about how President Obama kind of got the ball rolling, but it was within the decorum and the norms, you know, of the mm-hmm. office. And yeah. then Trump's gone wild with it. Well, now you're just going to have a back and forth seesawing effect. I can't, I can't get people to play nice in Congress, so I'm just going to say yes. Do you get the feeling that the American people right now are kind of thirsty for someone who does something normally? Or are we wanting more just on the left? I think people are just out for blood for their team. And well, that's you'll been have, the case you'll for have over people, a decade. So. Well, no. You'll have people in the middle who will side with one side or the other based on the topic. So if the lefties get in there and they want to have health care for all... Um, they're going to hopefully pressure their senators to vote for it because the senators aren't going to want to do it themselves. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, the yeah, you, you got most of the people in Congress right now are voting party line all the way. The, I don't think they're making too many. Nobody's really making a decision in Congress. They're looking at the letter next to their name and saying, OK, this is what they want. Right, but it, when it comes to executive orders and whether or not they can be carried out or whether or not they have to go through Congress, now you're talking about something that is popular with an electorate but isn't popular with the elected officials. 
So Bernie gets into office, all his supporters want health care for all, but everyone from those states, all those senators don't want to have to vote for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. like now their hands are tied and they're coming back home and they're getting primaried out like it was the Tea Party, essentially. And you have people who are out liberaling them back home because they're <laughs> they're promising to make sure that this would get passed. And that'll be just another insurgency for a different party. Um. Yeah, I I, I really got I can nothing. I see it to happening. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Um, so the question is, if he gets into office, does he play nice? Does he understand that a coalition so yeah, is the best way to I'm go sitting forward? Here thinking, I don't know. I don't know what the. This is all hypothetical because I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm pretty sure that uh, we're going to end up with a Biden candidacy. But wild, yeah. Um, which is weird because a week ago it did felt like Bernie was rolling so hard, but, um, I, I don't know what Sanders is going to do in office. I don't know if he's going to be the left version, the left, more rational, informed version of Donald Trump kind of pushing all the lefties further left. And if he's going to try to actually govern that way, once he's presiding over the country, uh, there, there are so many question marks about how not just the people but yeah, all of all three branches of Congress, how that would change under a Bernie regime. It's interesting to see what is able to get done on a domestic on a domestic front for each president's term, just based on what's going on in the world. And sometimes you have to put down everything you were doing, all your projects, and then you have to go work on some other shit that's you know going on globally. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this pandemic coming and um, I'm not trying to segue or anything, but like it's almost like wartime in a sense where some things have to get left aside. And yet at the same time, some things get swept up into that jet engine, for instance, like healthcare. <laughs> yeah, um, it kind of dovetails nicely with a lot of people needing health care. So talking yeah, about health care, the, the fabric, of, uh, <laughs> the fabric of this uh, virus has made its way into almost every facet of uh, what's going on in the news right now. But uh, it's interesting the way that it's infiltrated politics, um, in particular uh, President Trump and, of course, our uh, very uh, mercurial uh, health care system. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that our, our what we talk about when we talk about health care is it being uh, maybe socialized, maybe whatever, if currently privatized. I don't think any of that has any bearing on the coronavirus, but nonetheless, it's a healthcare topic in America because we like to view ourselves as as someone having better healthcare than someone someplace like China, where all the people were dying to begin with. But we just had our first death yesterday here in uh, Seattle, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that is going to be for for a week now. We heard how the flu. You know, this is from the right. We've heard that the flu is equally as bad as the coronavirus, and there's so many more cases, and why haven't we heard more about the flu? And uh, the fact is, is there weren't that many coronaviruses, but there are about to be, and healthcare is about to be at the forefront of everyone's mind as uh, the, the Democratic primary wraps up. All right, so there's a lot to take in right there. Yeah. Um, I would say that in terms of politics— the coronavirus is definitely going to affect people's vision on healthcare. Oh, of course. Um, yes. You're going to have it'll be emergency services that will be overwhelmed, not just like primary healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So that is a bit of a different thing. 
But in terms of general preparedness and the interconnectivity of the system, you're, you might want to see more synergy, you know, after something like this or before something like this. In what you way? Might, in that like one system, instead of 35 million different private systems, people will say, you know what, we should have one federal system. That way everybody's on the same page and it's quicker to act and quicker to function. Um, some people say that, yes, a private large or a public monolith is quicker to act because it is one unit and one body and one mind. That's and some conjecture. People say it yeah. <laughs> and some people, no, but some people say it isn't. And there are business people who can show you models that will, you know, support either case. But I am in favor of that when it comes to being able to do things swiftly, obviously. That's why a totalitarian regime, regime like China is able to make things happen lickety split. Yeah, they locked down um, cities in a, in a, the blink of an eye. And right. We so, could never do that here. Yeah. So we have that, you know, inflicting our or in inflecting our politics a little bit. And um, we also have the White House coming out with a little bit of a credibility issue. Once again, they were sitting here talking about how, you know, severe it was going to be. And you had Donald Trump having to take back his words once again. Yeah, I think it was it was overplayed a little bit uh, by the left because they saw that uh, the Trump administration was immediately not paying enough attention to something that was very obviously going to come here. And then it became this ridiculous war where we're not even talking about health care. We're not talking about we're not even really talking about the virus itself. We're talking about uh, an administration just completely disacknowledging that it exists. Calling exactly. It a, a liberal so hoax. Have- how is it if a you hoax? Have a, exactly. <laughs> so if you have a buffoon at the top, it is not the best thing for you to do to start calling a buffoon and start laughing at him and, you know, making that the focal point of the conversation. You have to say, what is the buffoon missing? Can we help him out? Yes. Can we make sure that he doesn't fuck this up for everybody? But of course it was politicized. And it that's was. what we have to do with everything right now. I think it's pretty ridiculous when he's going to talk about how Democratic candidates for um, president are scaring the country. It's like, no, we're not. But you have to understand that you have a jittery populace uh, exactly. to begin with. In it's America. already and, and we're. But it's it's interesting because the the Dems became the ones who were fear mongering at that point because the the virus itself really isn't that deadly. But well, the here, yes, of time it out, is time absolutely out, something to be aware of. Now, now I wanted to get back to the numbers because I want to spell this out for our audience because I listen to all these fantastic podcasts and. Actually, up first from NPR just did a coronavirus preparedness podcast this morning that I would commend to anybody to listen to just so they understand the basics of it. But I had been gathering this, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. So essentially the skinny is the infection rate for uh, the regular flu or the, the death rate. Sorry, the, the death, death rate. rate. It's somewhere. It's under one percent. Point oh one percent. It's point oh one. Point oh one percent for the re- the common flu. The common okay. flu. I saw the numbers and I, I actually did the math myself and it, it came right, out so to about this point, one point one is, something. You know, it's point oh one. <clears throat> very very minute because who dies from a common flu? This is two well, whole percentages. Of the United States. <laughs> this is two. two whole percentages. It's gigantic in comparison. But what you have to understand is the what they were trying to tell you is the number of cases when they say that yes. You know, the coronavirus is much more deadly, but in terms of number of cases, there are far fewer. It's like, yeah, so fucking far. And well, what have we had the, in the U.S. right now? About 60, 60 cases, something like right, that, and one right. death. So that, that comes out to around 
We'll say. But you're looking at something that is going to continue to community spread. We're probably, I think, 12 months away from a vaccine. Uh, or least, six at months. Minimum. At, or tw- whatever it is, six to 12 months. The CDC has said it. we're looking at least a year probably in realism. Yeah. And they were saying that, oh, you're going to have a die down in the summer months when it gets a little warmer. And that's not the case because you have warm countries where it's community spreading or whatever right now. Sure. It's very warm in Italy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've definitely started a little bit of preparedness myself. And they say that everyone should do so because you have to imagine what happens when everybody goes on timeout. What are you yeah, going to do? Well, and I don't – we can't really – we can lock ourselves down. We can. But the fact about – the fact of the matter is about this disease, it's it's going to spread almost regardless of anything you do because the way that it spreads. You've got two I weeks know. when you and can that's... be carrying around this virus during the infectious period. Not only that, not even have, Not even have a single symptom. And you're not, but your so respiratory you droplets in the air or wherever they go, sorry to say – as long as they are living, they they are able to, you know, they spread, spread the virus as well. Exactly. And this is such a, a small virus, even on a microscopic level. This is such a tiny virus that your your typical mask that you wear pretty much provides no protection. It's tough, and that's why they are dissuading people from getting them. But I is de- I am definitely getting a couple for myself on top of the couple that I already your, have. Your standard mask is borderline ineffective. Uh, well, your standard mask virus. is correct, but that's why you have the N95 mask. I don't know if you know what that is. I, I'm not up on my mask. I haven't seen the new well, models yet. <laughs> well, as a you know, as a carpenter, as a fabricator of many things throughout the years, right. I have my You're share a mask of N95. Aficionado. I got gotcha. I am a particulate. I am a particular particulate person. Okay. These are the kind of masks <laughs> that are actually not available on the shelves at all. I went to the Home Depot two days ago. And lady was like, yeah, we're out. I'm like, okay, do you get more? She's like, we got a shipment in this morning and they were out real quick. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit. And then you start looking online and things start disappearing and you're like, oh fuck. The the system is pretty volatile, you know, and you want to make sure that people stay calm and understand that when these things are, are kind of interrupting the normal flow of everyday life, you have to understand that the normal flow of everyday life isn't that important and that when things get disrupted, as long as the major things are okay, you're good. Well, I think the mask it's going to happen not, because it's going to happen. It's, it's going to start ruffling people's feathers and flustering people and scaring them a little. I think people are really scared. They're starting to get really scared now. And it's, I think that's what, what I mean. Your, so your you, mask not being available is indicative of that. <laughs> so I'm pretty it sure. Is. And I, I felt like a, uh, a soup, a little bit of a, amateur sleuth like i was one step behind the criminal like i would okay. go and it was like they were just here <laughs> like, it was like fuck all chasing right, around all the, all the people on uh, mask patrol um yeah yeah well there's really like i said i don't think there's a whole lot we can do it's going to spread here but just to the nature of the virus now if you're a normal healthy adult um you should be fine if you've looked at the uh the the people who are actually dying from this disease are largely elderly or immunocompromised. Um, even children have been pretty resistant, uh, and children are pretty resistant actually because well, a lot of times have... young children are more uh, susceptible to a serious complication from the flu. But that's not the case with the coronavirus. So, 
it's because they have coronaviruses already in them of different varieties on smaller scales because in their communities, so many of them are going around. Oh, yeah. There's so much communicable crap that's in a school. I can't imagine. Yeah. I go to my buddy's house. He's got a couple kids. And I swear to God, he's sick like nine out of 11 days of, the, uh, of two weeks. You know, wow. 14 days. Excuse me. I know how many days are in a week. Nine out of 14 days during two weeks. He's sick. He's always got some kind of a cold. <laughs> I'm like, God, that's a, and that's going to be you soon, too. So we've been doing pretty good. You can look and, forward to um, your kid bringing nice... all kinds of germs home for you. For and sure. Then you'll she's be got a good runny more nose. More resistant to the virus. She... <clears throat> well, I told you she had a stomach bug her first day of daycare. So that's happening already. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kids with their snotty noses and their dirty hands and stuff. I mean, germs just get passed around, so maybe that's the maybe we should all just get snotty noses and hang out with kids, build up our immune systems. It probably couldn't hurt. Get down in the dirt a little bit. Um, on the topic of uh, the vaccine, uh, yeah. there are there are cases being reported where people are getting the uh, the COVID nineteen virus twice. Right now, a vaccine is going to be complicated because you don't necessarily build antibodies for this after getting it one time. Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. We'll have to see what happens for round two if it gets any worse on you. Before we leave this, uh, Trump and the uh, the first death uh, coming yesterday from the virus, um, he finally acknowledged publicly that it was a real thing and not some kind of a hoax uh, perpetrated by CNN. Um, yeah. And he, he spoke out and he said uh, that a uh, lovely young woman had died. And, um, of course, the person who died was a man. So, oh, no. But, <laughs> yes, I, you can't make this kind of stuff up. Oh, no. That's just about how in touch our president is with the disease. So it's really fortunate for us that he managed to pass the buck on to the very qualified Mike Pence, who led a... The HIV uh, scare almost got out of control in Indiana while he was governing there. No, I did. I heard something that he got it let he let it get out of control so badly that um, it was almost a one, very serious problem. In one county in Indiana, there were more HIV contractions in one year than in all of New York City combined. That's yeah, it I was heard. a serious scare there. And, uh, like, what are you talking? And it was because of his religious beliefs. Correct. Yes, because he believed that uh, a lot of these, well, things like HIV or AIDS were plagues sent down upon us from God. And he didn't have to do anything to stop it because these people were making their own decisions. No, all and... you have to do is pray. Yeah. It's like that old oh, MC Hammer goodness. song. Do you remember that one? You've got to yeah. pray. Pray, pray, pray. You've got to pray just to make it today. I like to think that that's Mike Pence's uh, ringtone on his phone. It probably is. <laughs> I certainly isn't a Garth Brooks song. Oh, my. That was hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Oh, man, you sent that to me, and then I, my wife had heard about it already, too, and then I looked at it. I couldn't believe it. It's way I too I mean, funny. I could, but wow. The, the emotion and the passion that came out, they, they felt like they were betrayed by their best friend, it was so great, too, because Barry Sanders wore number 20. No, it was. It was a Barry Sanders jersey. Yeah. It was a legit yeah, just a Barry Sanders, Sanders jersey. Sanders, like Bernie Sanders 2020, Barry Sanders number 20. It yeah, fit perfectly. No, it, it fit wow. perfectly. And it totally. And I'm like, dude, you guys don't know who Barry Sanders is. He's in Hell a Lions no, jersey. Come yeah. on. 
I saw a great meme about that too. It said, "Know your Sanders," and it, it had like Bernie, and then it had Barry, and then it had Dion, and then it had Colonel, ah, <laughs> and then it had good. then it had Belt versus Rotator. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic! It was super. <laughs> I just saw a picture of Barry Sanders with the caption, not Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. Oh, the comments. I was in tears reading how absolutely livid <laughs> these people were that country music star Garth Brooks betrayed them all. Um. So, I mean, back to the corona real quick. Like, can we talk about the markets and the volatility going on here and... What I've been talking about for years is the fact that capitalism doesn't know how to take a time out. Yeah, there no, you can't tell the market to hold on while we deal with this virus. So Well, I mean like in terms of being realistic about growth and how growth is supposed to be never ending and how we can never settle with the results we had from last quarter. And where are you supposed to manufacture growth from? And that's where people start liquidating companies of, you know, assets and trimming them back and making things tougher on workers until they explode. Like growth isn't always promised and shouldn't always be expected, I guess. And but it is is always expected. It is in our modern society when our modern society doesn't take into account things like what's going on right now. Oh yeah, no, it can't. It, it, I mean, it's, it's not, but it a, has to, it's not, it's, we have to, it's not a living, breathing entity in, in that regard. It's not a reasoning entity, I should say. No, but at least within our, the bounds of our own country, we should understand and have safeguards for these type of things. Uh, there's so much forethought that they would have to put into that and they're not going to do it. That requires resources. And they're not going to do that. It does require resources. It requires big government. Well, and it, it, yeah, it, it definitely involves a more, more involved government. Right. I, I don't know that right. we need bigger government. We need a government that actually has some kind of check on these corporations. And But see, now we're, we're getting into the whole, <laughs> do we want these regulations? Do we not want, you know, what are we going to impose from the government? And this is another left versus right topic. I think it's it's... Just it's not left and right. It's just morality, right? Well, like, the end result. Yourself, the end result would be reality, but I don't think the that, end result exactly. So yeah. let's take the end result and let's work our way backwards. <laughs> Again, we're looking at forethought that a lot of people are not going to have. I mean, they, they immediately you you just used the term big government. You just scared away about forty percent of Americans. Sure. And if they don't understand what big government means and can have multiple contexts, then I guess they're not going to have the nuance of this conversation fall directly upon them. Right. You know, but like we understand that big government means sometimes the best thing you can have. I don't know. I mean, big government is your fucking military Republican people keeping your asses safe at night. So there's your big government working real well and just like you want it to. Oh, absolutely. It means a million things. It does, but it, the, the term has been stigmatized largely by the uh, conservative sure. right. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but and do, they have no need... moral standing on the deficit or anything else nowadays. So I think that, you know, this Bernie stuff about talking about bringing in military spending, maybe actually putting some facts and figures behind it eventually would be a good thing. So we could look at where we could spend it maybe otherwise domestically. 
Yeah. Well, at the very least, uh, this is kind of highlighting uh, a lot of the, the slashes that Trump has made in the budget are in a lot of these programs that he's viewing as wasteful or even leftist. And uh, included right. among them was, of course, the CDC, yeah. who's missing hundreds and hundreds of positions right now. He's been keeping himself busy behind the scenes, let's put it that way. He's had a lot of little worker elves doing his bidding. Yeah. And he's really making uh, all of his cuts and his, his slash in the, slashes in the budget have been right along party line. Like, God forbid we would make any slashes to the military. But he's, he's definitely not going to do that. So, right, but he will make news about trying to get rid of Big Bird. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because we don't want, like, patient, calm kids who like to share and talk about, sing songs about it and shit. No. No. We don't need a... But, yeah, I I think this is... This entire situation is going to shine a little bit of light. I know that, uh, again, all of this is not going to fall on the president. But in terms of what you were saying with uh, a a bigger government, it isn't so much... it's, It's using your government more wisely. And we do need people in the CDC. We do need people... In the EPA, we need people in all of these. We need more people working in education and all of these different fields where Trump has been just so quick to make those slashes. I feel like people think that when I say I'm pro government or pro larger government or pro government involvement in things, they think that I'm fucking pro waste and that I'm pro largesse. Oh, yeah. Like, like, they're they're looking at you saying, I want government overreach. That's other view. No, they're looking at me like as if I'm trying to give myself my own cushy lifelong position that I can't be voted out from because of tenure or something. You know what I mean? Or a unionization. Right. Like they're like they're not even understanding what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make things as efficient as possible and make sure that it's going through channels that don't have profit as a motive when profit shouldn't be the motive. Well, a lot of the ties. I mean, we we have so many corporate ties in our government right now, whether it be direct or through lobbyism. You need a you need a healthy relationship between your public and private sectors. If you do allow the influence of the private sector to kind of, I, I guess, big pharma is the best example of this, to uh, to start manipulating where the laws and where you know this isn't even about overreach. This is just about basic policy. And then yeah, there's then a little profits, bit too intermingling. If you want to talk about Boeing writing FAA regulations for right, them and profits things like that, become yeah. what's writing your laws for you. Everything exactly. does become profit-driven, and that that's something that we don't need in politics, and that's something that Bernie doesn't want in politics. So, And that's fine, and I understand that. And so I think that another layer of government intervention is necessary because you have to watch over the overseers. Yeah, um, yeah I think regulation is always a strong word, but I, I do think there, do, there need to be some kind of government checks. Like when you're in a situation – uh, like a pandemic, you know, with the coronavirus or even something like what uh, happened with Katrina uh, back in the 2000s. Um, you can't really depend on anyone else but the government to deal with these kind of scenarios. Like who else is going to take care of who's going to monitor the coronavirus in America? Walmart? Yeah. And, like, and you, then it's they're be the not government. doing it that well, too. Right. I mean, no, they're not. They certainly didn't do it trailers. well during Katrina. Yeah. So uh, this this coronavirus could be. Trump's Katrina, the way that he was non-reactive, uh, non-reactive, non-reactive at first, yeah, and then it, it comes here, and now it might be a little too late to have anything set up, so we're just going to sit sit around and eat it. That could have been the case anyway, but if he would have been more proactive about it, then at least you could have said, "Well, Trump did what he could do. The virus is just a monster," but he he wasn't. He denied his existence. 
<laughs> so. I think that what's going to happen is you're going to have things play out and then you're going to have people put a spin on it that you know has no bearing with reality. So this thing was definitely going to come here anyways and I think that in terms of preparedness you can prepare but you weren't going to be able to change American society no. to the extent that we were going to be able to quarantine and no. monitor and check people like they were doing in other countries. Like so we are the weak link in the chain. If you want to start this virus in five different locations around the world and see who gets the the grasp on it the best we might be the worst at it just because of the freedom that our society offers. right D- depending on where where you chose yeah but we would definitely be at the bottom of the list and yeah it is it's a lot of it's about our freedom and the fact that our government you know we're not china we can't say all right we're right. shutting down new york like so, that's not going to happen. So he he can't he he really can't get blamed for not being able to quarantine everybody, but he can get blamed for not being open, honest, and forthright about it. Exactly. At any point. That's my point. Way. Because he so, seemed disengaged and uh, really kind of distanced from the truth. And uh, like you can't just be like, oh, it's a this is a hoax. Like that's ridiculous. Like that's what he can get blamed for. Because Absolutely. we both know that there's nothing that Trump was going to be able to do to stop it from coming here and spreading here. But well, nothing he would bad have at least can ever happen on his watch because it, it's 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 like admit, admitting defeat. Yeah, no, he would have, and God knows he has not admitted any kind of wrongdoing ever. at any point. He's ever. never done anything wrong in his entire life, so he's not going to start now. He's going to say that, you know, these germs were brought here by probably Putin. I don't know. You know what I mean? It was just like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's yeah. already decided that uh, that CNN and uh, the liberals and the Democrats have they've all gotten together and they've probably produced this virus themselves. They've hyped it up, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know what? He's actually not wrong that it has been hyped up because, like I said, everything has to be politicized. But the fact is, if he would have just been on board right away, he wouldn't have to worry about any kind of face saving at this point. Because there was nothing he was going to be able to do. All he had to do was acknowledge it and let, you know, address the public and say, hey, this is scary. We're going to do what we can. Exactly. And we are in a a predicament right now and a certain delicate point in time where we've had a chance to see what happens with it in other communities and we know what could possibly happen soon. So what is a prudent uh, a prudent path and what is overreaction. So we're, everyone's grappling with that right now. Yeah. Th- there's uh, somewhere between overreacting and being pragmatic and uh, or being too pragmatic, I should say. Right. Um, I-, I can personally say that I'm not, I'm not that worried about the virus for myself, but I'm no. worried about the virus for the, for the country as a whole. Yeah. Like I have relatives that I think are probably immunocompromised to the extent where I am worried about them. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm not worried about myself. No, my mother, my um, mother's old. Like I, you know, is she, yeah, exactly. She man. So like, fuck you know, dude, we like, have family and we're talking about a 2% death rate here. So if it's not going to be you, you're going to know somebody who gets fucking wiped out by this fucking bullshit. Right. In other words, if you know 50 people and almost all of us know 50 people, 50 people that get infected, one. one of them is going down. <clears throat> yeah, like on a, a Louis C.K. special, I don't know if you saw it, but he was just talking about how out of an audience of 3,500, he's like, at least two of you ain't even going to make it till Thanksgiving. <laughs> and he's yeah, talking to the room of people. Oh, I did. I, <laughs> I, I saw that. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was like so morbidly beautiful. He's like, let's face <laughs> it. Like, he's like, I'm just, it's just, you know, 
the statistics. It's just math. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have the crowd like looking around at each other like, fuck, who's it going like, to be? Which one? I know. Who's it going to be? But it's, it is. It's so real. It's like when you're sitting around with two of your friends and you look over and you're like, hey, one of us is going to die of cancer. Yeah, it's scary, man. It is. And that's why I like, I swear to God, that is why I started doing this podcast because I was not going to let myself be muzzled any longer and I need to just start talking about shit. And if I go tomorrow, I want to make sure that I at least left a mark or I at least said my piece. Yeah, I've said many pieces and I want to say a lot more before I miss Thanksgiving. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want to have many, many more very crotchety Thanksgivings. Oh God, just the crotchetiest. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me the hell alone. It's time to sleep. I'm in a fucking coma over here. Um, but no, yeah. So like coronavirus really messing up with my life because I just started swim lessons with the baby. And it's been really fun. But if this thing goes on, I'm probably not going to frequent the YMCA very longer. Very much longer. <laughs> I mean, it was already a roll of the dice to begin with. It was so. already a Petri dish. You got it. So every time you came away and didn't have some kind of eye conjunctivitis, you were winning. <laughs> Oh god. Um, but you it was just... so much fun, dude. Like having her she is real she's like a fish in water and like going in there and you swim with her. It's that kind of thing cuz she's so young. Yeah, yeah. And it, all the parents are in there you know, singing the dumb songs and we're having a great time. Oh man. So cool. So cool. Like dadding out. I got my aqua socks on. Dadding out. And, all right. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> if I could wear my new balances in the pool, I would have. <laughs> what do the aqua socks do? I, I, I've always been confused. I've never seen aqua socks in real life. So aqua socks are grippy. I mean, it's just like a nice neoprene set of booties that you wear, and I, you what, could what, say maybe it gives you a little bit function? more traction in the okay. water for um, swimming. If, if you're running like web toes or something, but it gives you like <laughs> grip around the pool if you're in and out of the water. So it's better than wearing bare feet, and it's better than having a full pair of waterproof shoes. It's that middle ground. Okay. It's kind of like oh, shower, shower sandals. You know, you get yeah, something but shower between. sandals are awful. Like if you have a tong or something like that or like Crocs, like you could fall out of them a little easier. These things are kind of like they're on you. They're tighter. Yeah. Well, and they have socks. just like a so they're socks, different. but they have like a tread on the bottom. So it's a muck luck. OK, so they're better. And they give I could see traction outside of the pool being a big selling point. Fuck I'm yeah. just trying to figure they're out why I, I want more clothes on in the pool. But and they're stylish. I have black ones I'm, with a nice little gonna, like white pinstripe on them. They're, I'm gonna they're have awesome. to, it's like a, I'm gonna have to pull the, uh, the the court of public opinion to find out if that's true. Bro, they're know. so slick. <laughs> oh my god! All like right. better with better with than without for sure. I got you, man. You have you have sold me almost on this. I just got to see. I it will first. send you an Amazon link, man. Ooh, and I guarantee you these things are in stock because ain't nobody giving a shit about that right now. That's a strong um, strong campaign for. Aqua socks. Socks over All Crocs. Socks over 2020. Crocs. <laughs> what else? Oh, how about my uh, my wife showed me this video on her iPhone, and it was called Cuter Every Day. And her iPhone made it for her, and it was of our baby. And, like, our phone knew that she had a baby, and it was really weird, man. <laughs> It Wait, was really, really weird. I don't understand. Like, you know how, like, Facebook will put together videos for you? Like, yeah. here's a year in review, or here's your friendship with Jennifer. Yep, yes. <laughs> All right, so iPhone just says, cuter every day, and it put together a little fucking montage video, photo clip, reel, or whatever, of our child. 
That is a little bizarre. Oh my god! It caught. I was like, "Get that off my phone! Get you know, get it away from me!" Yeah, <laughs> that's like scaring me, dude. That's like sentient. Like we're we're <laughs> we're approaching the singularity. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Next thing you know, Siri's gonna be like, "Don't you think it's time for Vivian to get a bath?" <laughs> it's like, <laughs> "Bitch, I am busy." Ronald, you know, like Ronald. Ronald, you're not parenting to the ninety fifth percentile. <laughs> Like, oh, Dad, Siri, Dad go level, away. Daddy out level is now at 52%. <laughs> More daddy out is needed. <laughs> oh, man, that's scary and it's coming. It's <laughs> it is scary. It's so cute until it's horrible. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Oh, I um. <clears throat> so I had wait, this this reminds me of something real quick. Yeah, I, go ahead. Um, I had this like vision. And it was this really dystopian uh, image where my daughter's future teacher comes to me and she says, listen, I know you don't let Vivian play video games at home. You know, like kind of like this footloose disallowed shit. But like we need her really bad for, you know, the team. And she's so good at it. She shows so much promise that we need you to let her play video games so that we can go to state and we could win. And I was like. I was like, what do I do then? What do I do when the teacher comes to me and says, you need to let her play play video games? Because I think that that's probably going to be like a number one extracurricular by the time she goes to high school. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because when we were growing up, there was just kind of without any studies or anything to back it up. There was a stigma from parents about video games for their kids. Like my dad hated video games. He called it brain rot. He couldn't stand when I played Nintendo growing up. And um, meanwhile, you know, he's just sitting in front of the TV for hours at a time. Like, that's any more mentally stimulating. Right. But um, I think that stigma, as our uh, generation has grown up, is kind of fading away. And people are realizing that video games are kind of stimulating. Uh, they're, you know, they, they work in conjunction with your reflexes, with uh, your mind is usually working while you're, you're playing these games. It's a lot more interactive than sitting around and watching, like, reruns of uh, Seinfeld. But That's uh, true. I should probably start gaming then. Because, I mean, I have approximately a half hour of TV consumption a day. But I do not switch on a Game Boy, you know. Yeah, I just turn it, on the Seinfeld. That's I, that's what I was going to say. It, what's weird is that now that we are, like, the ones running the, uh, running the whole show up here and we're the ones with kids coming up and uh, getting their video game consoles, gaming is becoming more of an adult medium. And we, the ones who are now viewing it through the lens of it's actually maybe more helpful than we thought before to be a gamer. We don't have time to do it anymore. And that's so the true. horrible the irony paradox of becoming an adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man, maybe I should have maybe kept it in the, uh, in the back closet and brought it out once a week, once a month for the last few years, a few decades, but I'm not regretting it at all. I don't miss gaming or anything, but I do like the fun part of it. Like I liked some Wii bowling or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got, yeah. I've got a Nintendo switch and, uh, it's fun. Those to, are cool. Yeah, Those it's cool fun things. to pick up and play. And, you know, I, I don't know. Every once in a while when I, I don't feel like uh, watching Seinfeld reruns, which is rare, uh-huh. mind you, because yeah. I almost always feel like doing that. Always up for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Or I don't feel like reading a book or something. Yeah, it's it's nice to get. And it does feel mentally stimulating. Sometimes when I get up, I can feel like a rush of adrenaline, like I've been doing something more than just staring at a screen or words on a page. So, I don't know. A couple minutes with it is good. It's a good decompression, I must yeah. agree. It's not healthy to do the, you know, those guys who get into like the MMO RPGs and they're 
they're in the uh, Asian internet cafe for 37 straight hours <laughs> and they die <laughs> like that. There's obviously a limit to how good anything can be for you. Like probably, I, yeah, based on the percentage with which you disassociate yourself with the rest of society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's a lot of things that are uh, are good for you, and you shouldn't do them for 36 hours in a row. So please do not <laughs> play video games for 36 hours. Um, this week we don't really have much in way of sports. I was going to say something just about the Olympics, but it goes right back to the coronavirus. So do we really even want to talk about that? Well, I. You know, without mentioning the virus itself, <clears throat> there there is a lot to say. <laughs> lest, lest we not speak its name. Go yeah, ahead. without without even mentioning the virus, we know that it's going to impact. I mean, it's in Tokyo, for crying out loud. We're right in, you know, right near the danger zone of where all this began. And it doesn't matter how well controlled they say it's going to be. The seed has already been planted. People are not going to want to travel. They're not going to want to go there. Athletes are not going to want to go there. Nobody is going to want to go so well, this is going to have a major not, impact. They're not talking about postponement yet, and they need to start talking about it They need it real to start soon. talking about it right now. Because and it's, I understand that you know there's a million trillion dollars in TV deals and everything wrapped up in this thing, but you have to do it for the betterment of all these people who are probably going to be affected. And there's no reason to put it on when it's going to be so compromised anyways. you got to fucking hold your horses on that shit, you know? Yeah, and it sucks. I mean, people who are uh, already... Uh, Carved in stone as sponsors and the things well, that are the, the all right, things so that I don't feel as bad for the sponsors. I feel bad for the athletes, right? Because you have these athletes who have these really small oh, yeah. windows. Yeah, I don't who, feel bad for peaking any, in performance. Any of the business aspect of it. Nor do I feel bad for the city of Tokyo. Uh, but because, so you don't have to put it off too long. I mean, it doesn't have to be four whole years. You don't have to skip an Olympics. You just have to maybe put it off six months or a year. I would say indefinitely for right now. We know that the but, virus is definitely not going to be gone by uh, July and August. So. Right, right. They, they need to start talking about postponement now. And yeah, the the sick and sad part about it, really, not about the viewers, not about the sponsors, not about the city of Tokyo, but it's all about the athletes because they do. They're in a window and they're training for a very specific time, which is late July. And I heard <clears> that, like, I think it was Tony Kornheiser's show talking about, like, Katie Ledecky, the swimmer, and how you train in four-year cycles to prep yourself for peaking yes, in a certain that's two what I'm to saying. three month interval. It's got to be right. Th- and it's not going to, I mean, they're going to have insane, to postpone it. Insane, dude. Insane how that works. But, but that's, but that's they why were saying, they, you know what? The earlier they announce it, the better for the athletes. Yeah. Everyone's on the same page and, and everyone has to be postponed to the same degree. So that's, that's the only thing that's fair about it. I agree. Um, it's a really, it's, uh, you know, we, we joke about a lot of things, but. This is a situation that um, it really sucks for the athletes. And that's really the only th- reason any of us are watching. The, the stories of the athletes in the Olympics is what makes it interesting. And, uh, you know, this <laughs> so many of these people, their entire lives have been devoted for this moment. And it's being yep. derailed by a virus named after a beer. So I know. I know. It's not so relaxing anymore. Nobody wants to find a beach. No. Um, yeah. Sports, other than that, I got nothing. I mean, it is 25 going on 44 here today. It's going to get almost up to 60 within the next couple days. I'm sure it's going to be that warm down in Columbus where you're at. Yeah. Oh, it's March, man. Yeah. So we can finally talk about sports this month. The the month of suck for sports is finally over. over. Yeah. 
Well, we're turning the corner, and so as long as I can see mostly green grass, I'm thinking about hitting the links as soon as possible. Yeah, and that is something I can go do by myself, and I'm not looking at too much community spread right there, so you're going to see me out on the links, bro. Yeah. Well, I probably won't actually see you, but uh, I'll be thinking about it. That's (laughs) right. Well, we can FaceTime. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Make sure you FaceTime me before every drive. (laughs) (laughs) How about if I just set you down there in the middle of the fairway? That way you will be sure not to get hit. That's <laughs> that sounds good. I can root out your ball in the woods for you. Exactly. I need a flagger. You got it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I haven't had a whole lot going on this week, but I too am excited that it's March. Um, March, as I said last week, is my favorite month. Not April and March, because I just love when the days are getting longer. I love daylight. Yeah. I mean, we've got. Ooh, yeah. You know, we're only one week removed from daylight savings time. Best day of the year. Oh well, my best God. day of the year is it, December 21st when the days start getting longer, but this is like the party correct. time of the year. When I like agree. The synergy of time change and weather and light, yeah. everything's going Yeah, on together. the topic of solstice and uh, equinox, we've got first day of spring, and Hell, that means yes. that the, the days are officially longer than the nights. we got St. Patrick's Day coming up. We don't party the way we used to, obviously, but... no. You know, it's it's still uh, an exciting. It's a time when I get to see a few of my friends, pull out a green. Oh, I was gonna say, this green is when I, I make sure I buy the cask mates bottle of Jameson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And then and splurge. You know, back to sports. Obviously, we got March Madness coming up, so it's a great month. And uh, I, I just get excited when stuff starts turning green. It's my favorite color. Yes. All right. I get green excited. Is my favorite spring. color too. Yeah, it's a great color. It's the color of life. So. It's one of the things when I was living in Los Angeles, and maybe you felt this way too, as two kids who grew up in Ohio. I miss the miss rain, that. man. I miss the rain, and I miss the, the lush greenness. The of spring. seasonal change, yeah. When spring comes Fucking up and it turns beautiful. so that color green, and like the the smell in the air, the lushness. It yeah. really is. Like I miss like downpours. Like are, are we fawning? Downpours. Are we fawning over spring a little too much right now? <laughs> Not at all, because it is so beautiful. It is the rebirth that we all look forward to every year. It and is. And you appreciate it more and more as you get older, like it's a fucking farmer. It's the phoenix of all seasons, and I love it. The phoenix rising from Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Arizona gets a desert rap, but it's actually very pretty there, too. So It's well, so nice. Yeah, Phoenix is a beautiful city. So yeah. people listening in Phoenix, if there's any of you, we love your city. Truth. Oh, I totally forgot to talk about the awesome uh, week at Ping Pong Club that I have. Ask me about it. Oh, God, your Ping Pong Club. Tell me. What happened to right. your Ping Pong Club? <laughs> Dude, it was so fucking great. It was like, um, if you build it, they will come. And then, like, all <laughs> these shoeless Joes started coming out of the cornfield. It was so amazing. Um So last week we had week one and it was me, the person who started it and my buddy George, and we were the only ones who played for two hours. We played each other and that was fine. But I started to wonder, I'm like, when are they going to start getting the word out? So this week I saw in the e-newsletter from the YMCA that it was announced that Ping Pong Club was going on from Tuesdays on six to six to eight. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, yeah. So it was on there and then it was also on their Facebook page. And next thing you know, there were two people already playing when I walked in, and they were ready to go. And then me and my homeboy walked in, and there were two more. And then there were probably six other people that came in. We're talking at least ten people. Week two, and they were pretty good, too. Yeah. I mean, like, she I was, was the Joe Jackson there. already coming out of the cornfield in week two. That's a massive growth. 
It was tremendous. Yeah, we're talking 500% growth. So yeah. we're looking for the same over next week. Yeah, we're going to have we're going to start to need need a lot more tables. But um it's really good because the the game is growing. I even got a message on Facebook because I tried to start a Facebook group like a year ago and it never went anywhere cuz I had a kid. Um but this guy, he's like, you still doing the ping pong club? I'm like, actually, now that you mention it, I just started it over at the YMCA. And he's like, fucking A, I'm a member. I'll see you there. He's like, I'm 60 years old, and you just reinvigorated my interest in the game. Man, I kind of like, wish I lived a little bit closer to you. I would sign up for your ping pong club. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, this is great. We got people coming out the woodwork, people getting off their butts. You know, show an interest because they had no idea the other person right next to him played kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, so it's working out really well. Oh, that's good, man. I'm happy for you. Yeah. As a, as yeah. a ping pong enthusiast, I kind of wish we had a ping pong club around here. You should you should try to franchise your uh, club. Once hey, you, <laughs> you know what? Columbus is popping. They got really nice centers there. And if I'm down there anytime soon, I'm going to try and get some games in with some real players. Yeah. Oh, man. If you come in town and you do that, I'll call up. Uh, we got all kinds of players down here. These are probably right, plans so we should make on our own time and not via the podcast. It is. And this is probably something I should say on our own time, but I won't. But this lady who was playing at the ping pong club at the Y, she was like, yo, there's this group of Chinese dudes and they play in the basement of this church. And it's kind of like a semi-secret club. <laughs> your your I'm voice like, the- got so low. This is like the most insidious ping pong club. Uh, well, it was like she was giving me heard. some. It was like she was giving me a secret tip, dude. I know it's on the it clandestine. Like, yeah, it was like, hey, over here, I got a little info for you in the dossier. Um, and, <laughs> the password is and, Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? New England clam chowder. Um, my eyes lit up because I had heard of this a couple years ago and I thought it was total hearsay and just a myth. And she's going to give me a little more information. The rumors were true. She, <laughs> she goes to the church where it's held and, uh, and I'm going to start trying to hopefully play with them. Cause like, I, like these guys, I play at the YMCA. These guys are like, going to smoke you, aren't they? They're going to be They crazy. are. They're going to smoke me, dude. I can't wait. I didn't lose a single game against these people at the YMCA. I'm getting. I'm giving them lessons on basic techniques and stuff. Like, oh. they're pretty good. They'll beat most base, you know, basement players that you played against, but they're not, like, tournament ready like the guys I usually try to play against. Okay. And so I'm hoping, like, this group of nationals or whoever the hell's over there, maybe it's just regular citizens who just like to ball and just happen to be of the same ethnicity. We're going to find out. Um, either way, I'm up for some really good challenging competition. Yeah, that sounds cool. Well, uh, another week, another big Tuesday coming up. So, uh, going to be a lot of stuff for next week again. We're basically looking at, this is what's going to tell the tale for the rest of the democratic primary season. Is it not? This is going to be it. This and uh, whoever uh, Barack Obama decides he's going to endorse. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you said I thought it was funny that you said that Obama was going to endorse Biden after. Oh no, no, no! I didn't say he was South going Carolina. to. I didn't say he was going to. I said if. He oh, you did. said if he did. Yeah, he, right. You said if he. I was like, man, there's no way he's putting his apples in that cart before you know everyone no, before, chimes in. Yeah, he's not. He's not jumping on any ship. I think until he's more sure about who's going to jump out as the uh, prospective candidate. So, so we will see if the general public's dalliance with democratic socialism. Lasted only a couple weeks. Yep, that'll be <laughs> that'll be Biden's quick rise and fall back into obscurity. Um, you mean Bernie's or Bernie's? Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. B- Biden. Uh, I don't know. Bernie had the same kind of a flash in the pan appeal 
during the 2016 election, and just immediately Hillary took over. So, yeah, but I would like to think that a lot of the policies that him and his people and people from the far left in general are putting forth, and you know, that they really start to stick and start to become the core of whatever Democratic you know party comes out of this election. Yeah. So we'll find so, out. It's going to be a, a super week with a super Tuesday, and uh, I guess we'll catch up then. All right. You have yourself a super day. Yeah. Everyone else have a super week as well. We'll talk to you next time. Later. All right, guys. Until next week, for Pete Crawford, I'm Ron Cabuno, signing off for another episode of the Born to be Mild podcast. Reminding you to love thy neighbor, wash thy hands, and share thy podcast recommendations with thy friends. We've got a nice promotions push this week on Facebook and YouTube, so continue to get the word out, and we will continue to be ever grateful. We're glad that a podcast about nothing can mean so much. Lastly, don't forget iTunes, rate, review, five stars. Peace. <laughs>